Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. We, uh, this past week we had VBS. Uh, it was very uh, successful. I, I was really surprised. They, they, they went to, I don't know how many uh, neighborhoods, knocked on doors, and, and they brought in um, 13 kids, and we had uh, nine adults uh, that also uh, participated. Uh, they worked their way through Matthew, which was they started with the birth of Jesus and um, finished with the resurrection. Every day was a, a different story. Um, and then they had crafts. They did different um, uh, themes. We built, I say we because I built, uh, I took part in it as well. My daughter must have swiped my, my uh, fish. We made fish with pipe cleaners and beads and we made uh, rocks when we talked about Peter um, they, they had a great time, they did, and we had uh, two uh, young ladies, uh, Jocelyn and Reagan, that uh, were saved and gave their hearts and lives to Christ, so that's um, exciting. Um, but uh, today's Father's Day, this is the day we're going to celebrate the dads a little bit. Uh, I found some interesting, uh, well I don't know if they're interesting, but there's uh, facts about Father's Day. It was established as an official holiday by Nixon in 1972. Anybody know when Mother's Day was officially a uh, holiday? 1914. Uh, Woodrow Wilson uh, established that. So uh, quite, quite some time, 68, uh, no, 58 years if my math is right. Uh, Father's Day is the fifth highest card-selling day of the year. The most popular gift, neckties. This one I thought was good. Busiest day for collect phone calls is Father's Day. Uh, nationwide, there's $9 billion less spent on Father's Day than on Mother's Day. $9 billion. Uh, Mother's Day lunch this, this year, uh, the Hensley and Enix and Mitchell, we all got together and we went to uh, Cracker Barrel. There was about 30 of us. There was about a 45-minute wait just to get in. We sat outside on the rocking chairs and just waited and waited until we were finally able to get in. And there were so many of us, they couldn't even sit us at the same table. They had two long tables stretched out and we couldn't even sit with each other because there were so many people that got together for Mother's Day. And then afterwards, we went outside and we took pictures with every combination of parent and child. and fa- It was just, it was bananas. We were out there for an extra half hour just taking pictures. Today, Tracy gave Eugene the lunch option of, um, what was it? Long John Silvers, or we can eat something at the house. There, those were the Father's Day. Uh, those were the Father's Day meal options. Uh, there probably won't be many pictures taken. We don't get the same kind of respect on Father's Day as, as we show the mothers on Mother. Even the even the video we showed on Mother's Day was down front where everybody could see, it was nice and big, took up the whole screen. 
Kate just threw it up on the back and said, ah, it'll be all right. They'll see it. They can hear. That's all right. There are a lot of fathers that we see uh, in Scripture. Uh, some good, some not so good. All of them, at some point, had issues as a father. And the thing is, there are no perfect fathers. Abraham was a father. He ended up kicking his firstborn and uh, his firstborn's mother out of camp and out into the wilderness. That's probably not something you would look at as a, as a good uh, father, but uh, he did it. David, King David, had uh, children. He had Absalom, Amnon, and their sister Tamar. Tamar. Absalom and Tamar were, were brother and sister, and they had a half-brother, was Amnon. Well, Amnon ended up raping Tamar. David didn't do anything about it. So Absalom got angry and decided, I'm going to kill Amnon. Killed Amnon. David didn't say anything to him. He was exiled to another country, or no, another city. He couldn't come back in. So while Absalom was out there making new friends, they started talking to him. They said, you need to get up and rebel against your father. So David's own son plotted to kill his own father. And during this, a battle, 20,000 people lost their lives, including Absalom, David's son. We look at Isaac and Jacob. Uh, Wednesday nights, we've, we've covered them, and, and they, we've seen that they showed favoritism, and they weren't shy about their favoritism for uh, their children. Even Lot. Lot had a couple daughters. He wasn't a great father either, well, from what we've seen in Scripture. Uh, remember, he was living in Sodom, and, and the two angels came to stay with him. They walked into his home, and the people of Sodom knocked on their door and said, send those men out so that we can have our way with them. And what did this mighty father do? He said, no, don't, don't touch them. Take my daughters. Take my daughters. Leave these two strangers I've never met alone. Just take my daughters. And if that wasn't bad enough, near the end of his life, he was actually living out in um, a cave out in the mountains with his daughters. And he ended up getting drunk and impregnating both of his daughters. If that doesn't take away your world's best dad coffee mug, nothing will. And the man we're going to look at today was Noah. Noah, um, he had three sons. And he had an issue that they showed in the Bible where he ended up getting drunk and, and passing out naked in front of his children. But like I said, there's no such thing as a perfect father. And it's important that we don't judge a man by one chapter in his life. So I want to look at uh, Genesis chapter 6 today. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And we're going to look at the example that Noah does set for us for being a good father. Genesis 6, verses 5 through 13. If you found it, please stand for the reading of God's word.
Genesis 6, starting in verse 5, says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he, or grieved, uh, or repented, depending on what your version says. He was sorry he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created for the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us back together into your house. Uh, it's so nice to see so many uh, faces. Lord, we, uh, we're grateful for uh, what you did at VBS and, and, and the, the saving of two uh, young ladies. Um, Lord, we just pray that you will be with us today and, and, and soften our hearts to your word, open our minds to it. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me. Let these be your words and not mine. Lord, speak to us today as your servants are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's uh, break down the scripture a little bit. Verse 5, there are four words that if you don't have underlined in your Bible, you should, because it really gets to the heart of what was going on uh, at this time. So the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great. It was great. The wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every, underline that word, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only, another word you should underline, only evil, and the fourth word, continually. They were great. Every thought, every intent was evil. It was only evil that was going through their minds, and this happened continuously. Verse 6 says that it repented the Lord that he had made man. Uh, repented, if, if you look at the definition, it says, feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. God doesn't do wrong, and he certainly doesn't sin. So perhaps a better word would be he was sorry or he was grieved that he had made man. Verse 6 actually ends with, he was grieved in his heart. And I think that's something important for us to remember, is that God feels. God has emotions. He has feelings. I think a lot of times we look at him as so powerful and so supreme that how could he ever be sad? How could he be down? How could he be hurt when he's so powerful? But he does. He has heart, he cares, he loves, and he is saddened when he sees his children behaving in a manner 
in which he has specifically told them not to behave in. I know that one time when Charlotte disobeyed me. Remember that day? That one time? That one time? It hurts. It hurts when your child is doing something that you don't approve of. It saddens you. It makes you think, what, what, what did I do wrong? What, why, why can't they get it? What, why, how should I have taught it in a way that they would have learned it? But he has feelings, just like you and I. Verse 7, verse 7 says, So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both men, man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I'm sorry that I've made them. He's going to destroy everything but the fish. Right? Floods aren't going to bother the fish because the fish live in water. What do the birds do? What do the animals do that was so wrong? I don't think he was upset with the birds and the animals. He was upset with man. And to be able to clean the earth of the sin that man had created and the destruction and the violence, the birds and the animals had to be sacrificed as well. I think that's a good reminder that your sin doesn't just affect you. It affects all those around us. I know... um, we see, we see this all the time. We see what drugs do to people's lives and what they do to families. Um, when people steal from each other. Um, we see drunk drivers um, getting in accidents and killing people that are innocent people. Our sins have a way of affecting all of those around us. But it says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord in verse 8. But how did he do that? Verse 9 tells us that he was just and perfect in his generations. Was Noah actually perfect? No, no no one's perfect. The only one that ever lived a perfect life was Jesus. But what he's saying there is he was perfect in his generations, meaning uh, when people saw him, he was a good person. They, they They didn't have anything bad to say about this man. He was blameless among men. So verse 11 and 12 tell us again that the earth was corrupt. They were violent. They were doing their own thing, moving further and further away from God. And then finally, verse 13, because God loved Noah so much, he gives him a heads up. Hey, I'm about to wipe everybody off the face of the earth because of what's going on. And why I think we can relate as fathers and as parents is raising a child in this type of uh, environment. Because what was going on in those days is very similar to what's going on today. Today we celebrate things that God doesn't approve of. Right? We, we, we celebrate... Um, Gay marriages. In the Bible, he was very much against this. Um, we're violent all over the world. We're just violent. 
We anytime you turn on the news, there's violence. We, we moved here from Memphis, and just this past week, a, um, a U.S. Marshal killed a man. They went to serve a warrant for this young man. He's 20 years old. They go to serve a warrant, and because, because the warrant was for, he went on a test drive with somebody that was trying to sell their car. He comes to a stoplight, the guy gets out, shoots the man several times, uh, that, and then steals his car. So they're serving a warrant on him. Well, when they come to serve his warrant and arrest him, he rams the cop cars with his vehicle, and then he gets out of the vehicle with a gun. So he is shot and killed. The people of Frazier, where this happened, are up in arms. They're, they're, they're concerned about this young man who was in a gang, who shot somebody, who, who stole. That's okay, but it was not okay for what happened from the police officers. We are at a point now where we start condoning violence in our society. No one gets along. You look at CNN and Fox News, n neither one of them say anything positive. We, we watch it and, 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 and Fox News will be you know, downing um, Pelosi and all, all the, the Democrats and the CNN. If you go on there, they, they'll, they'll be you know, trashing George, or I said George Bush. I'm sure they did. But uh, Donald Trump, there's nothing positive being said on either side. It's all Negative. It's negative and it's in the heart. And when we, people tune in to watch this, because this is what people feed on these days, is negativity. That's why debate shows have become so popular. Is people want to watch others bicker and argue with one another. Kids are committing suicide because they're being picked on at school. Church attendance continues to drop across the country because people are moving further and further away from God. If you cut someone off in traffic, even if it's only an accident, you run the risk of them pulling up next to you and shooting you. Cold french fries can start a fist fight between a customer and, and a person working at the counter at McDonald's. It doesn't make any sense. I was watching a prison show where this man was, um, he was in jail for, for murder. He, he got life in prison. And the prison was so bad, he couldn't stand being there. So when they were interviewing him, they, they said, uh, so, so what, what did you do? He said, well, I knew that if I killed my cellmate, that I would go to death row. And they have much nicer facilities there. I'd have my own room. They have better food. They have TV. You get to go outside for an that, that That's how little life meant to him. He killed his own cellmate just to get into a better place, which was be death row. We have a society where just a few years ago, kids were playing a game called Knockout. Do you all remember this? It was on the news. The game was teenagers would walk up behind somebody and punch them as hard as they could in the jaw to try and knock them out. I guess the way you won that game was you knocked somebody out. Didn't matter the age of the person. Didn't matter the gender of the person they hit. This was a game. This is what our society has become. We have to take our shoes off at the airport now because some people 
would so much, they have so much hate for you and I, they would like to see you dead so much that they're willing to give their own life just for it to happen. I had a third grade student, I know I, I, I've told somebody this story. A third grade student was on her way to um, our school. I was standing outside doing bus duty, and we heard gunshots. A car comes squealing around the corner, and this little third grade girl gets out of the car, and mother starts yelling, get in the building, get in the building, as another car comes peeling around the corner. Turns out, her father, she was in the high-speed chase. Her father was behind her and her mother, shooting at the car while they were driving. This is the society that we're living in. And we're accepting of it. Noah lived in a society that was continually violent. What I describe to you now is what God was describing was going on in Noah's day. And God was grieved by it. So my, my note here says uh, this is a society that we live in today where people's thoughts are only evil continually. And we as fathers need someone to look at as an example of how to raise our children in this type of hostile, unruly environment where God has been forgotten except by a few. So, I haven't done three points in a while, so i got three points for you today. Uh, Noah models uh, fatherhood for us in three different ways. And, and I, I even made them all W's. In his walk, in his witness, and finally winning his children to Christ. Or in his walk, verse 9 tells us that Noah had a walk with God. It says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. What does it mean to walk with God? Uh, Amos actually put this in Amos, uh, Amos 3, 3. He asked a very good question. He says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Noah had entered into an agreement with God. When you enter into an agreement with God, that doesn't mean that he agrees with you. It doesn't mean that, that he says, oh, Ben, that's a good, you know, I, I, like, I like your way of thinking there. God is perfect. He's all-knowing. So when you enter into a walk with God, it is you that needs to agree with him. You agree to do things his way because you know he loves you and wants what's best for you. The best testimony you can have is a long, consistent walk with God. Now, I just ran through this list of, of troubling things that are happening in the world today. And, and this list is growing daily. You, you could go home and turn on the news and something else bad has, has happened. And it's all because of people's thoughts and people's um, hatred for one another. We just read that the imagination of man is only evil continually. That means that if nothing bad is going on, they'll think something up. So the world is always changing. But as children of God and fathers of children, we must stay consistent in our walk with God. Roman 8, Romans 8 tells us uh, that we are not to walk according to the flesh, 
but according to the Spirit. That means that we are to not give in to our fleshly desires. We die to ourselves daily and put our trust and faith in God to lead us. When you're walking with God, you're not walking in front of God. You're not walking behind him where you can't hear him. You're walking beside God, but you're allowing him to lead your life. As fathers, we need to allow our children to see that consistent walk with God. They need to see us walking with God daily. The consistency that I'm talking about is you're going to have ups and downs in your lives, but your children need to see you always going to God in times of trouble. They always need to see you going to God first. That's what it means to have a walk with God, and your your kids need to see that walk. The second is his witness. How did Noah witness? He witnessed through his actions, right? He he built this ark. I I told you it's not a boat. It's an ark. You think of like the ark of the covenant. It, It was a box is basically what it was. And it was a football field and a half long. That's some action. You take some action to build a boat that big. And I'm sure you've heard the phrase, preach the gospel and when necessary use words. I mean, show it in your actions. I, I found this one I prefer. It says, what you do speaks so loudly people can't hear what you say. I didn't say what you do should speak so loudly. It's what you do speaks loudly. So loudly that people can't hear what you say. What that means is you can talk all you want, but if people don't see you walking it, if they don't see you living it out, they're not listening to it. They're looking at the way you live your life, and that's how they're judging it. They're saying, he, he has a walk, right? Understand these people had never seen a drop of rain, okay? Noah heard from God, and God said, I'm going to make it rain, and we're going to fl- this earth is going to flood. Wells of water are going to come up from the ground, and we're going to flood the earth. They had never seen a drop of rain, and this man's building an ark, a football field and a half long, nowhere near a body of water. The way God watered the ground during the day was a mist. They'd wake up in the morning, everything would be covered with mist. So they'd never seen rain, but it was coming. Just because you haven't seen God's judgment doesn't mean that it's not coming. So he witnessed to them through his actions of obeying God and building the ark. He also witnessed to them through his commitment in building that ark. It took him 120 years to build this ark. That's commitment. When people saw him, they said, he's been working on that thing for over 100 years He is committed to what God has spoken to him. That's 120 years of splinters, miscuts, hitting his thumb with his hammer. 120 years of insults, people making fun of him. Because that's what unsaved people do. Uh, Disobedient 
friends that we have do behind our back. They talk about us, but that's okay. It didn't bother Noah. Noah continued on his journey. He continued his consistent walk with God. He continued building this ark despite what people were saying about him. He never stopped. Whatever you think, whether you think somebody is crazy or not, when you see something like that happening, you have to admire the commitment that, that, that they have to their uh, cause. And he made a commitment to the Lord. So what do your actions and your commitment tell your kids about your walk with Christ? What kind of actions do your kids see you making? Do they see you reading your Bible? Do they see you blessing the food at dinner? Do they see you helping other people? What kind of commitment do they see you making? You know, if it's raining outside, uh, I can't go to church today. It's raining outside. I don't get wet. You know, you know what's funny about that? It, or interesting. I, 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 when, when I was... I was thinking about this last night. The first time it ever rained was because God was angry at men. He was sad that he had created man. They, they disappointed him so much that he had to wipe them off the face of the earth. So he made it rain for the very first time. Today, we forget that. Because when it rains, we forget that the first time it rained, it was because God was disappointed. And we just don't go to his house. We say, it rained it's hard for me to get these words out in a way that makes sense in my head because I, I, I don't know a lot of words but he made it rain because he was disappointed in them. it rains today and we don't go to church does that make sense I mean the action doesn't make sense but the uh, I'm, I'm hoping what, I, what I'm trying to get across makes sense what does our commitment look like to God? What does our commitment look like to our Father? As fathers, we need to witness to our children by our actions and our commitment to Christ. Finally, he won them over. He won his family. Notice that God only spoke to Noah. He didn't speak to anyone else in the family. He didn't speak to Mrs. Noah he didn't speak to the kids. He only spoke to Noah. So if they didn't hear God, why did they get in the ark? Why didn't they think, oh, dad's crazy. Dad's lost it. He's having one of those midlife crises. He wants a boat. That's not what they did. They got in the ark. They got in because they believed in what he believed in. Because they believed in him. They believed in him, so they followed along with what he believed in. If your kids don't believe in you, they aren't going to believe in anything that you believe in. What must it have been like for Noah's kids in that day? Right? Their, their father's building this football field and a half long box outside in the backyard. Other kids must have been making fun of them, must have been making fun of their dad. Seeing their father work so hard for so long without a drop of rain falling from the sky. 
Did they ask him at the dinner table, are you sure you heard God's voice? Are you, are you sure you heard him the, the, the right way, what, what he really said? Are you sure, Dad? But even though they must have had some questions, when it came time to get in the ark, they followed their father because they believed in him. How do you get your kids to believe in you? You have to be there. You have to be there. It, it, it doesn't talk about Noah uh, leaving the family and, and, and going on vacation. He, he's there. He's building the ark 120 years because he knows it's important. He's there. He's there when his kids are come home. He's there when his, when his kids are going to sleep at night. He's there. Now, my folks separated when I, when I was real little. Uh, but I, I saw my dad a lot. I, every other weekend uh, during the summer, we, we would get together. We'd go on vacation for a week together. And we spent a lot of time together. I, I, I was fortunate that, you know, when some families separate, they, they don't get back together. They don't see each other as much. I, I was very fortunate uh, that my, my folks still got along, and I got to see my dad quite a bit. But what I really remember most fondly about my dad it wasn't so much going away to see him for the weekends, but it was when he would show up to things that were happening in more of like my mom's time with me. Um, I remember showing up at a band concert. When I was in elementary school, I played the trombone. I hated the trombone. I hated music. I didn't, I didn't like doing it. But um, the band teacher said, hey, we, we need somebody to, to, to fill in. And, and this uh, it wasn't for the school. It was like a a big thing. It was like a, you had to uh, perform to be able to get into this, I don't know, what do you call them, bands? <laughs> you had to be able to perform to get into it. Uh, I could not perform. He just didn't have anybody to play trombone. So I was in it, and uh, I remember my dad showing up to it. It was at like a high school in, in an uh, auditorium, and uh, I remember thinking, I don't want to be here. Why would dad be here? <laughs> Uh, but he came. I remember him coming to one of my baseball games when I was a kid. My mom had signed me up for a, uh, a little league team. Well, all my friends, she, she didn't know how to sign up. I had never played organized sports before. She, she didn't know what league to sign me up, and she signed me up with the Boys and Girls Club, which was really for beginners. And I'm not tooting my own horn, but I, I, I was not a, a beginner at the time. I, I was a good ball player. Um, so I was a little bit embarrassed. My dad showed up. And we didn't have enough players. And I remember he had to play catcher. Uh, we had a parent pitching, and my dad caught. Like, th these are things that I remember. I remember being in high school, and he came to one of my football games. And I still remember seeing him standing at, there was a, a, a fence that went all the way around the track to keep pe the people from coming in. And I remember seeing him standing there at the fence near the end zone. And um, I, I think I, I, I scored a couple times, and... After the game, they, they interviewed me, and, and the guy recorded it and talked to my dad. He said, yeah, on the ride home, he heard the interview over the radio. And I thought that was the coolest thing, that he had traveled, I, I forget how far, 45 minutes or so, just to see my football game. And he stood there and watched me play. Him being there during those times is what I remember most. Not so much going away with him, but seeing him, um, seeing him there. I, I remember... It wasn't just the good times he was there. My, my dog, Daisy, had arthritis or something in her spine, couldn't walk anymore. 
my dad had to come to the house and take Daisy to be put down. He was there during the good times, and he also came uh, when things were difficult. I just remember those four instances specifically of, of seeing him um, around, and, and that means a lot to a child um, just to be there. And when you're there, your kids start believing in you, and that's how you win them over. Be around your kids, whether it's for the good times or bad. Be there. That's how you win your family. That's how you get them to believe in you. One, One last thing, and then we'll have invitation. The greatest legacy you can leave your children is not money or possessions. That's good news for Charlotte and Emma (laughs) because they're not going to be left a whole lot of money. But the greatest legacy you can leave them is leading them to Christ. All the other stuff is going to fade away. But eternity with the Savior is forever. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the example that not only Noah has set for uh, fathers living in this day and age, but, but thank you for Uh, the example you've set for us. Thank you for the love that you show us. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, allow us to love others the way that you love us. Lord, uh, we love our children so much and we just want more than anything for them to come to know you. Lord, I just pray that you will watch over them and, and, and give them that opportunity to do so. Lord, allow us to be a light to our family. Our fathers, mothers, all of our parents, allow us to be the light to our children. Allow us to allow them to see you in us. Lord, we love you so much and we just pray that you will be with us, protect us, watch over us, keep us happy, safe, loved. Um, And most importantly, uh, we we just pray that you you will allow us to be back in your house uh, to worship you. Um, Again, we just love you and we want uh, nothing more than to please you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.